Hello, Westside Family Church. It is so great to see you here in the North Sanctuary, those of you in the South Sanctuary watching on Speedway Campus, those of you watching online, a shout out to the Sayers family, good friends of ours from San Antonio. Uh, James is with his mother in Oklahoma today, and she got her signed up with the Westside app, and they're watching today. Let's give it up to the Sayers and all those people who watch online. Woo! So last week, in partnership with our good friends, Macedonia Baptist Church, we decided to pitch a fight. Yeah, we decided to pitch a fight against our spiritual enemy who's been trying to destroy our families. And we decided not under our watch. And so we developed a twofold strategy. Strategy number one, if you weren't here, here it is, ready? Uh, we're going to get fit to fight by knowing and committing to God's plan. Knowing and committing, not just to get smarter about it, but actually to do something about it. And so that's what we're doing in this nine-week series, getting back to biblical boot camp, opening up the nine most essential passages of Scripture that God gives us on what family is all about. And again, we don't want you to just know it, but we want you to be committed to it. So I'm going to get all up in your grill every single week if you dare to come back. Strategy number two is to get fit to fight by having a game plan, by having an action plan. And our action plan for this series is that we want to get on the preventative side of what's destroying our families. Not waiting until we get to the end when it's uh, really in deep trouble, but get on the preventative side, get it healthy. So we've been partnering with uh, Les and Leslie Parrott, two Christian psychologists up in the Seattle area, and there are some assessments we're inviting you to take. If you are uh, engaged, if you are living together, if you are married, we're inviting you uh, to take the Better Love Assessment. It is a cool assessment, uh, whether, again, you're just premarital or you've been married for 40 years like Roseanne and I on our way to 60, 70 years, praise the Lord. Um, take the assessment. It's going to give you some cool feedback in a positive way on where you're at. Then you'll also download an action plan that will help guide you through a uh, four date nights on how to understand this sort of a um, uniqueness that you each bring to the table. And then one more thing, not only the four guided date nights, but also a class called Better Love, which you can take. It's four weeks. You can either uh, do it with your small group, your A2 group, form a small group of people to do it. The, the material and the videos will be available. You can take it on an online class, which we have available, as well as uh, classes that are going to be held here at the Lenexa campus and at the Speedway campus. So that's for married people. Game plan. If you are single, we have you and our crosshairs even more because it makes sense, right, that we would get even on the front side of this thing before you even got married so that you are healthy to enter into a marriage relationship. So we're inviting you to take an assessment called yada. Yada in Hebrew means to know. Yada, 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 to know, to know, to know. And uh, this assessment will give you feedback on your sort of personal health in a very fun and positive way. You will also have the opportunity to download a plan to sort of interact with that, um, with, with what you've received with a friend. 
And uh, we also have a four-week Yada class for you, which you can do with some friends, a small group, your A2 community. We have classes here at, at, at uh, Lenexa. We'll have them at Speedway. And also we have online classes. And here's the cool thing. We've already had hundreds, like hundreds of people sign up for this, and it's getting me excited so instead of this series just being about a talking head, we might actually take some ground from the enemy because you are activating. And if this is the first time you heard it, you can dive in. You can go to the Westside app and you'll see Fit to Fight. Just keep pushing the buttons and you'll get access to everything. Or go to westsidefamily.church slash fit to fight and join the team as we seek to make hay uh, for our families. Does that sound good? Now, at the end... You sound excited. Yeah. Okay, so at the end, uh, we want to celebrate. And so I'm going to tell you what it is. We finally are able to tell you what it is. If you complete all the assignments, it's on the honor system. If you complete um, all, this, all, all, all that we've asked, um, Dayton Moore of the Kansas City Royals is going to host us at the uh, stadium uh, for uh, an evening. And uh, we will not only get together before to eat, but we will also watch uh, the Kansas City Royals beat up on uh, uh, one of our key rivals as kind of like a, an image of beating the Satan. Um, <laughs> see, it's kind of like a symbolic kind of thing. Uh, we're gonna be playing the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, we're going to beat them up, and we're going to celebrate with Macedonia. So I hope that you all dive in for that. You excited? Woohoo! All right. Now, I asked you last week, and maybe you're new uh, to the series. I've asked you as a family, husband and wife, family, single mom, dads. I ask you to sit together. And if you're single, I'd encourage you to find someone to sit with you. And, and, and right now, what I want to do every single time we begin a message in biblical boot camp is to hold hands with the people uh, that are part of your family, grab arms with them. And we're going to declare uh, a statement that was first given by Joshua to the children of Israel that is so appropriate for today. You got it? Hold hands. Uh-huh. Even he said, we just had a fight. Well, this is going to help you out. Okay. All right, here, put it on the screen. Ready? Say it out loud with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All right, so today we're going to begin with the question, what is marriage? What is marriage? Uh, this is where God begins, on the first pages of the Bible, so it's where we're going to begin. Uh, the basic idea of what the Bible teaches uh, and the Christian community is one of the last groups of people to hold this view, but I will tell you that that's even fading very quickly, and that is marriage fundamentally is a union between a man and a woman for a lifetime. Man and a woman for a lifetime. And I believe that one of the reasons why our, ch our children and our grandchildren uh, seem to be abandoning this idea is not so much because they want to, but I don't think that we have done a good job, pastor and parents have done a good job of giving them God's vision for what this thing is all about and why it matters to God and why it should matter to us. So I want to take a stab today of not only giving you what the scriptures say, but hopefully in such a way that you are convinced of it and such a way that you are inspired by it and make a choice in your soul that this is going to be the path that you take from this day moving forward. Like, is that a deal? 
right? Okay, what I want to do is I want to kind of give you a look at this concept from two points of view. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of a man and a woman being united together for a lifetime just makes sense. It is self-evident or it's common sense. There is a, a book out that I've read now five times. This is actually my second copy of it. It's called What is Marriage? Man and Woman, a Defense. It is written by three individuals who are super smart, Harvard, Princeton, and they provide a defense for this idea without ever using the Bible. They just say, even apart from the Bible, uh, this concept makes sense. As a matter of fact, most societies in human history have adopted this idea of one man and one woman married for a lifetime. It's not just a Christian idea. It makes sense. In this book, they suggest that one of the reasons this is a hotly debated topic today, maybe you've engaged in it with family members or people at work or on Facebook, try to stay away from all that, is, um, is what they say is that we're arguing up here about the outcome, but the reality is we're coming from two different foundations. And until we agree on a foundation, we're never going to agree up on here as to how it looks. So I want to present to you the two primary foundations that people are coming from and ask, which one do you embrace? The first one is I'm going to call consumer. It's a consumer perspective, and it's basically marriage is about me. And as long as it works for me, I will stay with you. Okay, that's one idea of marriage. The second idea is I'm going to call is covenant or covenantal. And it basically says marriage is about something bigger than me. Marriage is about something bigger than me. Now, what I want to do is lay out a defense or an argument for the second idea, which is God's idea that marriage is a covenant, something bigger than just me. And what I want to begin with is just the common sense, even before we get into scripture. And to make this accessible with the time frame I have, I'm going to give you three categories that all begin with the letter B. Okay, I got to move quickly, so stay with me. It's going to get a little deep, okay? First word, not so deep. Ready? The first B. Baby. Baby. Here is the bottom line, is we have got to continue to populate the earth. And I don't want to be Captain Obvious, but if we don't make babies, we're going to die out. We're going to become extinct. I know that seems so obvious. And God has set up Adam and Eve from the very beginning to take care of that. I don't think I need to describe. All right? So that's number one, baby. Number two, common sense, balance. Balance. All of the research, both from the conservative and liberal side, have concluded it is factual that when you take the difference between a man and a woman and they come together in unity, it provides the best environment to raise children into healthy citizens, particularly when that man and a woman uh, are raising their biological children. It is just a fact. So we got baby, we got balance, and the last one is bond. Bond. The work is not done when the baby enters into the world. 
And therefore, we cannot be careless and casual about sex. We can't just enjoy the activity that leads to a baby. We've got to be responsible that when a baby comes out, that baby needs to be nurtured and cared for. The bond between a mom and a dad to a child is the most powerful human bond you will ever see. Would you agree with me? I mean, it is absolutely amazing. Here's the truth. I struggle to love people unconditionally. I really do. People are weird. (laughs) Truth is, I know I'm not supposed to say this as a pastor. Sometimes I struggle to love you unconditionally. Yeah? And I hear you saying, back at you, pastor. Right? I get it. But I do not struggle to love my children unconditionally. Roseanne does not struggle to love our children unconditionally. I never went to training for this. No one's ever had to twist my arm. It is just the most natural thing. Oh, no, the most supernatural thing that God has built within us this unbelievable bond to our children. Raise your hand if you love your children unconditionally. Raise your hand. See, look at that. I mean, it's universal. You didn't even hesitate, right? But you got to keep in mind how brilliant of an idea for God to wire us this way. Consider with me this. We bring these little tiny sinners into the world. They have snotty noses, perpetual poopy diapers. They're selfish criers. They don't do any work. They can't cut their own meat. And it takes, listen to this, from birth to 18 today, $284,570 to raise each one of them. Then they become adolescents, and that whole hormone thing kicks in. They think we are stupid. They think we are stupid. Irma Bobek said, she said, one Christmas, my son gave his girlfriend a cashmere sweater and I got a meat thermometer. (laughs) And yet from birth to 18, these little sinners grow up in our home when in reality, common sense said we should have thrown them in the streets years ago. (laughs) But we don't. We don't. The truth is, I would be willing to die for my children. Raise your hand if you'd be willing to die for your children. Yeah, some of you hesitated, I get it, you know. But, I mean, the vast majority of us, no problem. That is God's amazing design for how society works, and I don't see how you can improve on the idea. If you don't even open up the Bible, you just look at common sense. Baby, bond, and balance. But now we want to bring the word of God into it. And it gets really exciting, okay? So in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, we begin. You may recall on the sixth day of creation that God did his crowning achievement. He created man. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, we're told that God stooped down and he took some of the dust of the earth and he formed it into the body of a man. At this point, Man is nothing more than a dirt bag, (laughs) right? But then it says that the Spirit of God breathed, the Hebrew word is ruach, breathed into the nostrils of man, and he came to life. You would anticipate that the next 
words out of the mouth of God after looking at his crowning achievement based upon what God said about all the other days of creation, the skies and the lands and the birds and the fishes, that God would say, this is good. But he didn't. He looked at man and he said, this is not good. And all the women said, I get that. But do you remember why he said it wasn't good? He said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And God said, we're going to fix this. I'm going to create a suitable helper, a suitable companion for Adam to do life with. And so let's look at the options that God had available to him. Suitable helper options. First of all, the animals. You see, in the very next verse, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, God brings every single one of the creatures he has created before him and says, Adam, I want you to name these personally. At the end of the deal, he brought him uh, this guy and said, this is who I made with all my leftover parts. What do you want to name this guy? Adam scratches his head and says, let's call him platypus. However, Nothing that God just created would be sufficient for the kind of community God created Adam to experience. Making one of the animals a pet wouldn't cut it, even though I feel that pets, particularly dogs, make better companions than many humans. Can I get an amen? I'm going to ask God about that when I get to heaven. What is that all about? Now, goldfish are super easy to live with. They don't have a lot of pushback. But I find, I don't know about you, they don't provide the warm fuzzies that I'm looking for in terms of a companionship or a relationship. (laughs) The reality is uh, goldfish uh, aren't particularly blessed by living with us either. Let me ask you a question. What is the average lifespan of a goldfish outside in the wild. Does anybody know? Answer, 20 years. It's true. Average lifespan of a goldfish in the wild is 20 years. Second question. Average lifespan of a goldfish living with humans? Two weeks. weeks. It's true. (laughs) Two weeks. Someone's read the same research, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) However, they do flush a lot easier than humans. I'm just saying. So animals are not going to work. How about the most obvious to me would be another man. God stoops down and takes some dirt and makes a separate being, another guy, whatever, and presents him to Adam and says, hey, here's your companion. God said, no, that's not going to cut it either. So in the next verse, verse 21, he gives the solution. Mm. So the Lord God caused him to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, the Lord God took out his brains and made the woman. My wife got a hold of my Bible and scratched out. Shame on you, sweetie. It doesn't say that, but the women said, that's starting to make more sense than ever. It says that he took out, to Roseanne, one of the man's ribs. Some say the one closest to his heart. Then the Lord God closed the opening in the man's side. This is the only time that we see a person coming out of a man. From this day forward, a person will come out of the woman. God sews Adam back up and then presents the woman to Adam. And now God not only says it is good, but he says what? It is very good. And in the next two verses, we get our core passage. 
that I'm inviting you to memorize and to have written in your heart. I'm going to put it on the screen and invite you to say it out loud with me. You ready? Here we go. Together. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of the man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. God's choice is a woman. Now, why is this important? I'm going to need you, all the other messages I have to give are going to be super, uber practical. This is going to be just a little bit thicker, so I'm going to need you to pay attention just for a few moments. I want you to take note that Eve is not a second creation, but rather the word woman in Hebrew literally means out of man. Adam and Eve are just one being but two persons now have come out of this one being. Are you following me? There's just one creation, and Eve has come, in out, has come out of this, so there are two persons and one being. Some of you have been around church a long time, might have some sense of where I'm going with this. Others of you are like, okay, I'll stay with you just for about three more minutes. Some suggest, not everybody, but lean into this as maybe a, a paradigm shifter for you. Some suggest that Adam was actually initially created as half man and half woman so that in this divine surgery, God is pulling out the female part of this initial creation and making them two so that when they come back together again, it's back whole again, but it's two becoming one. Jordan Peterson writes this, lean into this one. This implies not only the partition of a divinely produced unity, but the incompleteness of man and woman until each is brought together with the other. Now, why is this so important for us to understand? Well, we need to turn back one page to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Stay with me here. Ready? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So he created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, I want you to notice that the word that the writer used to refer to God is a unique name for God. It is the name Elohim, Elohim. There are many names for God in the Old Testament, like uh, Yahweh or Adonai, but the writers chose to use Elohim, which is the plural name for God. Question, why would the writer want to use a plural pronoun to refer to God, the word us? You know the answer, right? Right? Because the God that we serve is three persons. Say them with me. Ready? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a very complex math question. Do we serve the one true God or the three true gods? We serve the one true God, right? So how can it be that we serve the one true God and there are three persons? And that is because God is three persons who share a being, okay? This is a big deal. So we're gonna draw a picture of it. God is one, 
But inside of the one, there are three persons who are all God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons who share a being. When God creates Adam, he looks at Adam, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and says, this isn't good. It is not good for Adam to be alone. So let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make Adam in our image as a community. So he pulls out what I believe is the female side of this initial creation, Adam, over here. And then when they decide to get married, they become one so that this goes away. And now we have one being with two persons inside of it. Are you following me? And God is basically saying this mind-blowing idea is that Adam and Eve in their marriage, in their union together, reflects the image of God. Did you hear that? Reflects the image of God. When two persons, Adam and Eve, male and female, mutually consent to come together and become married, they are physically and spiritually manifesting their oneness. And there's just something super profound and deep. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, It is a mystery that the marriage between a man and a woman, united together as one, reflects the very image of God. Now, Right after this verse, God is going to charge this new institution, first institution, with their assignment. Chapter 1, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature, that moves on the ground. So this union between man and woman as one now has been given their assignment. I will confess in my 33 years of teaching the word of God to people just like you, I've always skipped over this verse for two reasons. Number one, it is saying that one of the primary purposes, the first purpose of a man and woman coming together is to procreate, is to produce more children. And I just felt like we'd already done that, you know? I mean, you look around, we got like 7 billion people. It seems like we can check that one off the list, right? Uh, done, so we no longer have to be all concerned about that. And the second one is that I just felt a bit uncomfortable, as I am right now. And that is just suggesting to people this idea that one of the reasons why you've been brought together is to have children. It just seems to be a bit antiquated to me, even though it's in the word of God. And I just felt like people would, well, look at me like you're looking at me right now. And, uh, and I just don't like the, the, that look, you know? And so I avoided it, and it turns out that I have been wrong to not present this passage of Scripture to you, and that even when we don't understand the Word of God, we need to teach it and we need to believe it, because in the end, it works itself out. Let me explain. We have to keep populating the earth in order to sustain it. Research shows that we currently have 7 billion, it's on its way to 9 billion people, but because we reduced years ago the number of children we're having, we're going to actually dramatically go down to 6 billion people. 
Still a lot of people, but we're on a downward cycle because we have not been having enough babies. Stop looking at me like this, okay? We're not having enough babies, okay? It takes 2.1 babies per woman to grow a population. Just an FYI, Roseanne and I have done our part. We have four. Someone says, why four? Because we did one five. No, the doctor said, Roseanne, you got to stop this little tiny girl. So here's the deal for the United States. In the United States, we have already fallen below that number, and there is now nothing that we can do. Nothing. It's already been done. So it's not like, hey, let's start working on all that. Uh, like, no, there's nothing you can do. Uh, the only way that the United States population is growing is through immigration. That's the only way that we're growing as a nation. And here's the challenging thing. If you'll stay with me just for a moment, uh, when immigrants come in from another place, they carry different beliefs and ideas other than Christianity. And they are coming in in droves with different ideas and different beliefs. So this is happening and it's going to continue to happen. This is going to happen. And that is the culture of America that you have enjoyed is not going to be the culture that your children and particularly your grandchildren are going to enjoy unless we have one good move left in us. And that is that we come alongside and we love up on and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the immigrants that are coming to this country, however they come here. The Old Testament calls them strangers and gives us the call to love up on them. And that's why Westside gives a lot of energy to the refugee communities in Kansas City and the immigrants. If you remember during the one campaign, we had nine different languages that were involved in us. The beautiful people from South Sudan, the beautiful Nepalese people that are becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And we're coming alongside of them and saying, may your tribe in Christ increase. And so we're giving ourselves to that experience. Now, here's something to, to put in your spiritual pipe and smoke on. Okay, here it is. Historians who studied the first three centuries tell us that the church that got founded in the book of Acts chapter two, that started with a marginalized guy, they say, called Jesus, poor guy from Nazareth, in 350 years grew to 33,800,000 people or 56.6% of the entire Western world. And they said, how in the world did they do it? And the answer, one of the primary ways is while the pagans who ruled the roost were aborting their children and were killing their girls legally to control population, the Christian community who had nowhere near the kind of power and influence we have in society today, they had none. They were not doing that. They were getting married. They were staying married. They were having children and they were raising them and caring for them in the training and instruction of the Lord and their children got married and stayed married and had children and nurtured and trained them and so on and so forth so that over a period of a couple hundred years, the church of Jesus Christ flat out through population growth outnumbered the pagans. The opposite has happened under our watch. May we never take for granted the word of God again. All of God's people said, so here's a working definition for marriage as we close. It's kind of chewy, so soak in every word. The covenantal union between a man and a woman into oneness 
for a lifetime, reflecting the image of God for the purpose of bringing new life into the world and caring for that life. Mm. This is God's design. Church, what I am referring to is sacred. And nobody should be messing with this idea. If we do, and we have, it will be to our peril. Because God is good. And even when we don't understand why he does what he does, he always leads us to blessing. And therefore, there is no alternative definition to this marriage idea that passes the test with God. And therefore, it will not pass the test with us. We trust God. These two big ideas, common sense and God's design, combined together cause the committed Christian to drive a stake in the ground based upon our trust in God. Now, we should try to influence our society to embrace God's design for their own benefit, but if the society continues to move in the opposite direction of God's design, we stay put. And I can tell you that as long as I stand here, Westside Family Church will not budge. We will not budge. Now, our best strategy moving forward is not to be hateful, judgmental. That's awful. It is time for the church to stop being known for what we're against and to be known for what we're for. What we are for is beautiful and dynamic and leads to blessing. Our best strategy moving forward, church, is to create the best families on the planet. Be positive. And as the world continues to move in the opposite direction and begins to feel the negative effects of living outside of the design of God, hopefully because of our grace and our mercy, they will come to us for help and hope and our arms will be wide open for them to let them begin the journey of help and healing that many of us experience. Because church, that is our strategy to wrap God's family around their family. This is what it's all about. Some of you say, Randy, man, I've already messed up. It's too late for me. Stop talking like that. Because as powerful as the concept of marriage is in the Bible, so is the concept of forgiveness and grace. The apostle Paul, the leader of the church, when he put his resume in to lead the church that you now sit in, he had on his resume, I killed Christians. <laughs> that would be troublesome. <laughs> but God said, I like to take broken people and give them second chances. And he became the leader of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, which most of us sitting in this room are. God used him and God will use you as well. 
And Paul said in Philippians chapter three, you gotta learn to put the past in the rear view mirror and start pushing forward today to that which lies ahead of you. Start today and God will put wind in your sails, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no judgment here, no guilt. Two, some of you are saying we got married for the intention of having children and we just can't. And it's stressing us out. And I know several of you and it's hard. I'm just telling you from a scriptural point of view, your marriage is not unsanctioned at all. Not at all. Your marriage is beautiful. And God may open up your womb down the road. Something may cause that to happen. But I don't believe that God caused your infertility. But I, God, God, I believe that God can and will use your infertility if you'll just possibly lean into what his bigger plan is. Right? See, I think a good God knew that there would be children, boys and girls, who would be abandoned by their parents. And they would need a home. And that he has selected you because he knew that you would take that margin and you would take them in. And the most amazing thing, even more than the unconditional love of biological parents to their children, is how God has wired it. I've seen it with my own eyes, how foster and adoptive parents literally love these children as though they came out of their body. It is the most beautiful thing. Maybe that's God's call in your life, but maybe it's not. But I do know that you have margin in your life to do something to help other people. In, in San Antonio, uh, we had a couple that could not have children. They did not feel that their mission was to adopt or foster. And so uh, she became, over 20 years ago, the family director at this church that I served in. And when people ask her how many children she had, she said 1,300. She says, when mom and dads get a little tired, and we do get tired, she said, I would come in and provide support for them. And this is the call of God in my life. And if I had children of my own, I wouldn't have this energy and margin. I praise God for it. Let's say our core verse one more time. Ready? Here we go. Let's put it on the screen. There it goes. Ready? The man said, say it with me. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This is going to be super uncomfortable. <laughs> super uncomfortable, but this can't be about a talking head thing. This has got to be about action. Online, Speedway, South Sanctuary, right here. If you're sitting next to your mate, I want you to turn to them and say, hey, babe, I'm in for this plan. Here on out, I'm in for this plan. Go ahead and do it, okay? There you go. Some of you are doing awesome, awesome. So for some of you who struggle with communication, men, just give them the thumbs up. They're used to it. If you're sitting with your family, your children, your grandchildren, I want you adults to turn to your children and say, hey, we're not perfect, I know, but from this day forward, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord we're in. Tell your kids, like, hey, kids, we, I know we haven't been perfect. The only one perfect here is Pastor Randy and his wife, so, you know. <laughs> and if you're single, maybe there's no one you can tell. I can tell you that the people around here would love that. Maybe you have a friend you're sitting with. Maybe you just clasp your hands together. And if you're single, I just want you to tell somebody or even just tell yourself, yep, this is it. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I am in for God's plan because I trust him implicitly. Yeah. Father, I now pray for all of these families and the people that are hearing this message today. Our spirit is weak. 
and you have laid out your ideal plan, but we have a hard time living up to that ideal plan. Would your spirit come alongside us, empower us to live out your good plan because we trust you. Now, Father, we enter into this time of worship. We cry our hearts out to you and we remind ourselves that you are for us and not against us. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus and his authority. And everybody said, amen. Amen.